You're listening to Gibby Five Podcast, episode one five one, side B. Room. In case you haven't listened to episode one fifty one, side A, which we are also which we also recorded this night. Rob has been doing shots of rum every time I say the word scrotum. Found an eight ounce glass of straight rum, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so wow. we're gonna go fast on this here. That was straight, straight rum, baby. It's good rum too, guys. I gotta tell you, it, it is my new favorite rum. Code rum. I discovered it at the Tampa Bay Renaissance Festival. Their spiced rum is so freaking good. I drink it straight. Whew. Greg just oh. wrote down an edit to cut it out. <laughs> uh, no, I, I actually just wrote the. It was recording four. Thank you very much. You can't see that. I just wrote four. That's all. Anyway, this is the Gibby Five podcast. We are a bi weekly podcast. We review things that you loved in the past. We review things that you love today. And as a side B episode, we are going to talk about. A lovely little movie from the 80s that I just learned about and foisted upon these poor, innocent saps. Mm, yeah. Anyway, my foisted. name is Reverend Slick, and I am joined yet again by my top earner, Lexus Bling. Actually, I go by Cherry 2000. Yeah, but then everyone would be after you and trying to remove your memory chip. And take my cherry. And her intern... Do do robot prostitutes have interns? They do now. Okay. Roxy Diamond. Man, I just want to go to a strip club and see cinnamon. <laughs> I'm swimming in. <laughs> oh, God. This is going to be terrible. I am Frankie Mermaid. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about him. And why am I called Frankie Mermaid? I don't think we're going to say it. <laughs> Women in something. <laughs> yeah. bitches. Yes. So here we go. This is, as I said, a side B episode. We are going to talk about this movie called Cherry 2000. And uh, we will, uh, of course, answer our Give Me Five question of the week. It's a weird one. I've got a, but it was kind of fun to do the research on. So that is that. So let's let's jump right in here to Cherry 2000, which I am. Looking for our notes here. Guys, this is a review show. There is probably going to be spoilers in so much that I've been drinking and I remembered to actually do the spoiler when Greg forgot. But we will try to avoid any major twists. But ultimately, these are spoilers for a crappy movie that came out like, what, two Two plus decades ago? Yeah. I don't know. Over over two decades ago? So if you haven't seen it, you know what? Tough shit. It, we're going to spoil the shit out of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Don't send angry emails to Greg. It was his movie choice. Yeah. So here, here we go. Cherry two thousand. You can take out ACP Pro. Yeah, you can, oh, ACP Pro, it's totally your fault. Yeah, they were going to try to be Damn on, you. but um, it did not work out. I, it was my fault. I did not get in touch with them soon enough because I hadn't had a chance to watch the movie. And was, you've just been replaced <laughs> with a monkey helper. I was a little concerned that the movie was um, going to be like overly pornographic and not something we wanted to cover, but it was not. Oh so my that, god! Well, that was one of my big, big complaints about the movie was that the movie kind of like hinted PG-13. at him. the movie hinted and promised boobs and then never delivered. Yeah, it was PG thirteen, but I was a little scared it was going to be like, yeah, you know, here's a little bit of plot and then an excuse to show just naked people and then I wouldn't have covered it. But and there was literally no boobs, no boobs. Okay, anyway, Cherry two thousand released date <laughs> February fifth of nineteen eighty eight, which was actually supposed to come out sooner than that, but we'll talk about that at some point. Uh, directed yeah, by that's the problem. Steve Desjardins, who I believe has probably directed other things, but I'm not going to seek them out. Uh, starring <laughs> David Andrews, Melanie Griffith. See, America's some, Sweetheart. Man, America's Sweetheart, Melanie Griffith, Lawrence Fishburne. Who was in the movie for all of like 20 seconds. Yep. Yeah. Just uh, he was somewhere. Uh, maybe he was Cowboy Curtis at the time, I think. Also, uh, Pamela, Pamela Gidley as Cherry 2000. Harry Carey Jr., not the announcer for the Cubs. Hey, what an unfortunate Shame. name. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Harry Carey Jr. Oh, just wait. Harry Carey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was Mr. Anderson in, in Gremlins, by the way. And, Mr. Uh, and <laughs> my favorite name ever, Jennifer Balgobin, which I... <laughs> which... Doesn't have a big part, but I was, but I really was reading her name as Jennifer Ball Goblin. <laughs> Even and when her, you said it, that was what I heard. And her role, her her role in the movie is she is called Glory Hole Clerk. Oh yeah, she is. And yep. that's and why town of Glory Hill. Yeah, Glory Hole. Yes. Glory Hole. Yep. For some reason. Yeah. So the synopsis. In the distant future of 2017, a successful businessman travels to the ends of the earth to find that the perfect woman is always was always under his nose. He hires a sexy renegade tracker to find an exact duplicate of his android wife. Oddly, fairly accurate. Well, that the synopsis is confusing because it says the perfect woman was always under his nose. Yeah, is not it always? Talking- it was only during the actions of this movie that she, that this tracker was under his nose. Right. Well, but, <laughs> well, but there's are, they your spoiler. About, are they talking about the tracker? Or are they talking about the robot? <laughs> yeah. Because then they go and say that he hires a sexy renegade tracker to find an exact duplicate of his android wife. So was his android wife the yep. the perfect woman or was the sexy tracker the, an, the Yet perfect it's woman? more coherent than the actual movie. Well, this is true. Guys, I know your initial thoughts because you were texting them to me through the movie, and I was—I I went and locked my doors. So, what are your initial Why? thoughts? Holy you shit! This movie, this movie was boring as shit. I there there really wasn't a whole lot of action in this movie, and and I don't know about you guys, I did not buy for one second Melanie Griffith's character as a badass tracker. I was like. 
What? Even the scene where she drove through the blockade and she's like, she's like pointing the pistol out the window. Bang, bang. It was like she wasn't even aiming at shit. I was like, what are you doing? Come on, give me something. And no, it's just. Melanie Griffith, uh, not known for her uh, action acting (laughs) abilities. I mean, don't get me wrong. She was adorable. I think she won an Academy Award, which is why this movie. This movie, she did. No, are you kidding? For Working Girl, which is why this movie came out. Oh, there you go. Because they were, they. I think they released this movie to to capitalize on the the, at least the award season for Working Girl. That's what I read somewhere. Yeah, (sighs) this she she was not believable as a badass tracker. I'm sorry. No. And what what made it even less believable was the um the ADR in this. And uh, we've talked about ADR before. ADR happens in every film. What um, is ADR? ADR is uh, automated dialogue replacement. <laughs> yeah. So you mm-hmm. can't get a microphone everywhere. Right? Those those parts where they're inside of a helicopter and you can hear people clearly. Um they have to go back and they have to re-record their lines so they they can put that in there separately. Right. I, there are parts of it where she's talking. She's clearly not saying the same thing. Looks like a poorly dubbed foreign film. And her her delivery was so monotone in in these action sequences. Yeah. You know, just this like, hey, we got a great job, buddy. Like, yeah. I- I did not, did not like her in, I mean, she, she played the role of chair. Well, no, I mean, I feel like she was cherry cause she had the red hair, but right. <laughs> e. e Johnson. E Johnson was her name. It was, what did Edith? E stand for? Edith. Was it Edith? Edith. Yeah. Edna. Edith. Yep. It was Edith. Edna, Evelyn? Edna Johnson. No, either e- e- Eugenia. Edith Johnson. Um, just, I thought, just based on the way that she she acted the whole time, based on the things that she said, I thought she was a robot. And that we were going to discover there towards the end of the movie that he had fallen in love with a robot and then fell in love with another one. Now, the whole reason he's out on this whole thing is because he smothered his robot wife in dish soap. I still think she committed suicide. I think she was unhappy and she committed suicide. And she was a robot, but she was unhappy. Which would have made this movie a lot better. Maybe. It would have made it a lot more French. We'll put it that there was, way. There was a lot going on in that opening scene where she... Where really she, awkward and... Yeah, she gave him his food and it looked like she was kind of like uh, hesitant and, you know... well. At first, when she didn't drink the wine, I was like, oh, she's poisoning him. Then I realized that she was a robot, so she wouldn't drink. But she went to the she went to the the sink and started washing the dishes and looked like I don't know how to describe it, like like pensive, like there was something bothering her. You know what I mean? There was way too much emotion for a robot. And. And she looked like something was bothering her so much, so much to the fact that he walked up to her and said, is everything okay? And she turns around and she says, kiss me. And, you know, she turned on the sink and let it all bubble over. And then they roll around in the water and she short circuits. Ah, it's another 80s movie, short circuit. But she short circuits in the water, right? 
And I'm like, did she? There's like some cool little spark effects coming out from behind her ears when it happened too. Because I was like, did she plan that? Because that really seems kind of stupid. I yeah, whatever. Also, the fact that that happened and she'd never been in water before. Apparently not. But he's missing out because because if, if he's having, if, he, if he's having sex with this robot, it probably needs to be washed at some point, <laughs> or else you know. Ew. Yeah. Way to weird it up, Greg. God. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so robot dies. They cut to the scene, of course, of the interior of the robot all like smoking and charred, and the creepy robot repair dude is like, Yeah, that's not getting fixed. And they do like this weird little showroom thing. It's gone. They, where they pull him through the showroom to like find a replacement for his Cherry 2000 and with all these other options. And creepy, skeevy, skeevy guy is like, well, you could have this one and you could have that one. Now, what I don't understand, though, is that the the memory chip that everybody's like, oh, well, you know, you have to have this memory chip because that makes everything. I mean, the memory chip is essentially her personality. So why would that make a difference? What robot you put it into? I didn't. I mean, I probably just shoot a hole in the movie. I, I don't know. I don't think so. There, I, there are lots of holes in this movie. Yeah, there's, there's definitely would, lots would of holes. Would that memory but... chip have actually worked on these other robots? Like, I, I'm probably just adding that myself. But that mm-hmm. was what was, Because there was a lot of holes like that, I was like... Like Windows man. 7 trying to operate on Windows 29 or something? Yeah, and they also said, like, well, <laughs> that oh, that was one of the top-of-the-line <laughs> models. So, and we're talking about this like it's fucking normal that the guy was married to a goddamn robot. Let's be, that's weird in itself, but. And let's be honest, if it was a top of the line model, they would have kept making the model. You don't stop making the most popular model that everybody's looking for. I mean, that's just asinine. Well, they did stop making the Ghostbusters Ecto Cooler, didn't they, Rob? You shut your damn mouth. (laughs) I'm still hunting for that on eBay. You don't want to drink it anymore? Wait, (laughs) is that a real thing? Yeah, yeah sure. I've seen you a video where a dude drank one and it was not good. It did not end well? No. It was mm. like one of the old, the high C ecto cooler cans that you had to punch and it was sealed. He punched it and he barfed it all up like I did after watching this damn movie mm. where one could assume that there are no, there are very few female human women. Yeah, what's that about? Like Human I was wondering about females that left, which they the men they all have to go. They go to this weird robot sex club. Well, see, that's the thing. I don't know that it was fewer human women. I think it was just that that relationships and sex has become so legalized for a better term. Like they had like lawyers there that were arguing and and setting out terms of the contract for I'm doing air bunnies terms of contract for the sex and (laughs) Jesus, I said the sex. Um, (laughs) But I don't know that there were fewer women. I think that it was just easier to have a robot companion. And I, I, and even though the movie didn't focus on it, I got, I kind of believe that there were probably male counterparts to the robots as well. It was just something that wasn't focused on because that wasn't the main character. Does that make sense? Did I just babble a whole lot? What no, is- no, no, no. You were All good. Right. So let, let, let's get to our bounty hunter friend, can we? 
Sure. So what they the hell to... do the trackers do? E. Johnson. Okay, so, so basically what has to happen, they have to go get this. If they want to get a Cherry 2000 model, they have to go to Sector or Deep Zone 7 to get to find a warehouse full of these. That sounds um, dirty in itself. It does. These models. And it's through a very dangerous part of this post-apocalyptic world of 2017. So dangerous that when he finds the tracker, uh, E. Johnson, who will bring him there safely, uh, it's Melanie Griffith with very red hair. And very. he's like, this is dangerous. It's going to be $500 for the job. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> So this the cost of an of a PlayStation. You can yeah. Well, yeah. Keep in mind this was nineteen eighty something, eighty six, eighty seven. Yeah, five hundred dollars was a lot of money in in eighty six. Yeah, and of course, so they do that. This their their beginning of their trek. Well, first of all, they show the tracker's house, and it looked a whole lot like a Taco Bell. It had the little like scallop at the top of it, which made me laugh because I th- I didn't realize it was a house at first. I thought it was going to really? be. Really, a- I kind of felt like when he walked inside, it looked like more like a bail bondsman's house on the inside. But like when they do the the establishing shot, it had like that Taco Bell run for the border like top thing. Demolition man. Yeah, they uh, they of course do the fun futuristic <laughs> thing here where everyone is just dressed remarkably weird. You know, people in plastic jackets, like this the is 80s what the version fe- of the future. Yeah, like people wearing shiny things and whatever. They would be so like Pastel you could bring colors. people from the art directors from the eighties now. They're going to be very let down. Oddly, I actually wrote in my notes that oddly enough, Melanie Griffith was wearing a sweatshirt that said "Dignity" in this movie. I'm like, really? <laughs> no, you, you're missing the mark, honey. <laughs> well, she's a badass. But dignity, really? You start in this movie and you're gonna wear a sweatshirt that says dignity? No. Yeah, they, of course, just no. like every other uh, post-apocalyptic wasteland movie, there's or in a lot of movies, they have that bar scene where like the main guy walks in and like the everyone stops to look at him. The record scratches. Yeah, music stops. So they they kind of get started in this town called uh, Glory Hole, which I don't think they meant that as a joke. I don't know if that was a thing then. They didn't. I mean, I I thought this was going to go in a a much more sexualized direction um, with this movie being focused on sex robots. And then they go to a town called Glory Hole. And I'm like, okay, this is this is what it's going to be. And then uh, fortunately, in my opinion, it didn't um, didn't play out that way. But yeah. Right, but I, but I gotta believe that that was intentional. I think that was the thing then, because for for that to be purely coincidental is like I don't know three hundred million to one. I mean, the the fact that they would have picked Glory Hole as the name and not known, you know what what a Glory Hole was, I I really don't think that that's that that's I I I think that was completely intentional. Well, What's funny a is thing in nineteen eighty eight. I have no I'm idea. Not gonna, I'm not going to Google was. that. Nope. at all. Not on my work computer. Uh, Rob will. Uh, I'm going to Google it right yeah, now. It says uh, you're going to find out that there's a glory hole in your neighborhood. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, Google. It says uh, a, one definition of glory hole, an untidy storage space, especially a room, which is in uh, IMDb. 
And the little side comment says quite an advertisement for a hotel name. There you go. But, but it's also, the, I mean, that's not even right. I think it's also the name of the town, but it was, yeah. Yeah. Glory hole was, was on the, uh, like but again, welcome to sign. Yeah, there was the, um, there you go. According to the Oxford English dictionary, the first recorded use of glory hole in English comes in 1825 when it was described as a receptacle in which things are heaped together without any attempt at order or tidiness. 20 years later, the term made its slang debut being used to, oh God, being used to describe ads. Ads? Well, I got an ad when I was trying to look oh, at it. Oh, you just described an ad. You're, was it an ad for a glory hole? You are going to have the best algorithm right now. <laughs> Your ads are going to be messed up. Oh, wow. For glass blowers, the glory hole is a high-powered furnace burning at over 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Hardly suitable for sex acts of any kind. Yeah, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be good. There's people out there probably listening. Uh, there's actually no one listening that doesn't know what that is. That's good. Uh so yeah, this it does become a little bit like Frogtown Light when these some of these weird towns uh just kind of heading in here. I did talk to to our our guest that was not able to be here and he was he did reference the fact that this um, this was a lot like uh Blade Runner 2049 in a way. And there's a lot of connections, so much so that when Blade Runner came out that there was a lot of people that said you could make a a double feature of watching this movie and then go see Blade Runner. And um, some of the uh, the things, obviously, there's a Vegas connection, which we haven't really talked about yet. Uh, there is a holographic wife in Blade Runner. There is a, of course, robotic wife in this. And they are going to get a robot in Vegas versus going to get a human. And a lot of the aesthetic, a lot of the the look of the towns, the, some of the abstraction, abstract objects and things like that definitely sticks. Um, I don't have any idea if, what is the name? Villanueva? Is that what his name is? Did Blade Runner? Uh, it's not Villanueva. Disney Villanueva. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I doubt very highly that he based anything off Cherry 2000, but there are some, some connections, some, Visual well, Blade Runner came out in 1982. Well, uh, Blade Runner 2049, I'm referring to. Okay, yeah, but this this movie came out in 1988. I, if anything, uh, 2049 took from the original Blade Runner. It did not take anything from this film. This film took from Blade Runner, and it did it very poorly. Oh yeah, yeah. It definitely it definitely stole some things from the original Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, it also stole a lot from Mad Max. I thought. I mean, this this movie is basically. Uh, I got the feeling that this movie was like someone described Mad Max and someone described Blade Runner to the writer. <laughs> Mad Max. And then they they decided to uh, after describing those two movies, the guy was like, "Hey, I'm going to write a movie that's very similar to that without ever having seen them." Because it has the the synthroids, it's got the the desert random vehicles with machine guns on it. I buy that. Um, and so on and so forth. And actually, I did have a note here about talking about the various weapons. I got the impression that no one in this movie had ever learned to uh, shoot a weapon. Or aim. Or aim. Yeah, there was a couple sequences where someone took a weapon that was very clearly made to have 
something a shoulder stock put up against a shoulder and just randomly like one hand fired it <laughs> holding parts that would have been very hot yep mm-hmm. I'm holding, holding guns sideways various things uh i am convinced that somewhere in hollywood at a warehouse they happened upon a very large case of RPG launchers because every 80s movie has a ton of RPGs in it. <laughs> Red Dawn. And there's this like 60 one, of them in this movie. Rambo, there's God. a ton in this one, and they they don't really do very much. Like, she ta- the, the car, there's a point where a car is attached to a magnet and it gets hit with an RPG, and there's someone on the hood of the car, and it just kind of blows up in like a little teeny tiny mushroom cloud, and the, nothing a happens. dust cloud. Yeah. I actually, I actually made a comment on that in my notes. I was like, "So wait a minute, her rocket launcher works, and everybody else just shoots, just shoots dust clouds. What the hell is that?" And she takes out an entire plateau. Yeah, she takes out an entire mountain. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" What? And the, the RPG hits the front of a car and doesn't do any damage. Basically, just a small explosion. So I'm pretty sure they, yeah, they. I mean, obviously budgetary uh, issues there. There was. And nothing was consistent at all between the rockets, between what happens if someone gets shot, what happens if someone gets stabbed. We'll get to that. Wait, so their rockets are dust bombs and hers blows up mountains. Yep. Well, she's a, a badass bounty hunter. Well, what do trackers do? I still haven't figured that out. After watching this whole movie, it's like, you know, trackers are so hated in the in the Badlands, I guess we'll call it for now, like Sector 7 or whatever the hell you want to call it. Trackers are so hated, trackers must die. I mean, that's like their logo, but why? What do trackers do other than like hunt sex robots? Taking their uh, taking their backup sex robots. Bastards. Don't you take my backup sex robot. <laughs> I, I guess they're just bringing people. In. I don't even know what people are after him for. I Were they after him for the chip? I don't know. What? There's so many questions in this movie that I was like, what is going on? Why are we doing? Okay. Yeah, like everyone's after him. I guess it's for the chip. But which is a little tiny mini D, mini uh, CD at the time. It's a personality chip. Yeah, but people seem to want it. Whatever. Now, of course, uh, there's a, you can slowly see love blooming between uh, E and the EJ. Dude, and dude that I don't remember his name. Uh, there are some love blossoming, and there's a little bit of a sequence that uh, I actually wrote down what was going to happen here where she looks and she's like, nobody drives my car. And I wrote, he's going to drive the car. Yeah. Oh, he's totally going to, and he's going to crash the car. Sam Treadwell. Sam Treadwell. remember his name as many times as they said it, like he was supposed to be somebody important. I'm Sam Treadwell. I'm Sam Treadwell. Exactly. I'm Sam Treadwell from Anaheim. This man. Oh, this man from Anaheim. In the border. Sam Treadwell. Okay. Yeah. Nobody gives a crap, Sam Treadwell. Tiny. Line there. So from Anaheim, he finally gets to drive the car. And this is about three quarters of the way through the movie. Gets to drive the car. He's she is like passed out. He's looking down at her and he crashes it almost immediately into an inanimate rock. And she doesn't she just kind of gets out of the car, like rubbing her head like this. She's like, this is my car. That's like it's obviously souped up. It's a nice car. He crashes it into a rock for no reason at all, and she's not like, yeah, you're going to die. 
<laughs> like she had just moments before stabbed a dude in the spine. And I was like, she should stab him in the spine for that. Well, and how about the fact when the, the magnet picks up the car and then just leaves it in the in the drainage pipe for like three days? I'm like, nobody came to like check on these guys that were that were going up against the tracker and this guy. I mean, did we forget about this? What happened? Yeah, it was like the world's worst version of the Italian job with the minis driving around in the sewer drains mm-hmm. because like they didn't move. <laughs> just kind of there. <laughs> and uh yeah it was it was very weird it was like they they found sets and they're like what should we do here let's do this they like and then like i don't i had to rewind this part too because all of a sudden the lead character just kind of wakes up by a pool in like this 50s looking <laughs> utopia out of nowhere well he was clubbed by people yeah, he was and like, i'm like yeah. how did he was how did shanghai they know, as he says right how did they know that he was that he was um known to this other lady unless she was the one who clubbed him over the head and i'm like mm-hmm. i don't i don't think that she was going out on these missions with these guys you know they they clubbed this guy they brought him in maybe she saw him as like oh that's my ex-boyfriend but then there's like why why keep him around he's your ex yeah, one of the two main character women in this movie and both of them uh, three i guess uh and she they had all at some point slept with the lead dude they bring him to this like 80s looking town uh, where everyone was sleeping in boobs, basically like these round little huts and it yeah. had more grills than I've ever seen in my life. Just kind of there. Well, that's yeah. how you cook in the desert. Yeah. On 15 grills in a row. Yeah. And, uh, the, yeah, it was a weird little kind of sketchy desert town. Reminds me a lot of uh, any really every other post-apocalyptic thing. Where they always have like, we're going to bury mannequins half in the ground and spray paint them different colors, and we're going to have random signs. And I don't know. It's, it's I I know it's a budgetary thing. I keep on saying that, but just is what it is. It's we've seen it done way better before. We've seen it done way better after. This I don't know how you guys feel about it, but for me, I was. I literally it it wasn't like this movie was so bad. I can't watch it. This movie was just boring. I at no point was there any action that I was like, oh, this is awesome. No, there was nothing that I was that drew me in. There was nothing that caught my attention. I was like, oh, this movie is a slog. Why am I watching this? This movie isn't good. It it was. I, I started watching it one night, finished the next night as a result of that because i started i started falling asleep yeah it took me three sittings to get through it wow i mean and it what and the weird thing is is it wasn't that it was like poorly filmed or that it was like poorly acted you know melanie griffith aside with the whole dubbing thing i mean the the movie wasn't poorly acted it wasn't poorly filmed it was just it was just boring there wasn't enough substance i don't i don't know it just i don't i i could yeah and the uh, the other thing just in with that you know it's supposed to be a post-apocalyptic world they're in the desert for a while there's all this crap happening to them and they always stay clean like there's no like well, i just did go through the drain spot at one point which would have washed them off yeah but like I mean, randomly for no reason. It's like, as as I described it, as they were walking through the drain, 
they were with a, mi- a guy that was dressed like a miner. It was like a miner, a post-apocalyptic Molly Ringwald, and a dude in a members-only jacket in the future, <laughs> which was our past. So, yeah, obviously, about as much as any of us cared about those characters. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, they, they didn't he, really do a whole lot to establish them. Yeah, he does decide to stick around for a little bit. We might have messed this up. Oh, no, I guess we didn't. Um, he uh, does stick around in this little village, the little boob village, for just long enough to set things on fire. He burnt down the bee hut. <laughs> <laughs> bee hut. What the f- Why do they have a bee hut in the desert? Is that yeah. a thing? Can you? Re- <sighs> no, you heard, you heard like the fire and little bees buzzing. And when they cut to the next shot, it was like an overhead shot of them putting out the fire. And the guy, for some reason, the kid looked like he was peeing on the fire because he was holding the hose. He like, totally did. Because that was the first thing I thought Absolutely. when I saw that picture. I was, I was like, like, are they doing that on purpose? Is kind of redeeming? Oh, uh, no, it's just a hose. Yeah. It's a hose. The entire Shit. volunteer. That'd be awesome if the volunteer fire department just drank a lot of water all the time and ran around peeing on fires. <laughs> Would have added we gotta a little... put this fire out. It's a twelve beer fire. <laughs> it's a future where buckets never existed. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then they, of course, just to get to that point here, they get to the factory or the warehouse where all of the cherry two thousands, which we stopped talking about. The fact that they're this whole plot and weirdness is all about getting a sex robot wife for this guy. Nobody gives a shit. The movie is so boring. <laughs> you're you're not wrong. They get to this warehouse. Of course, the villain. Uh, less. Well, I don't, less, yes. Who's the, the bad guy for some reason? I don't really know. I don't know either. He, he, Lester the molester. Mm-hmm. He's we'll just so. there. He's a dude. He's got a little town. He's got a little cult. A little sect of people, I guess. And uh, Yeah. And they they fly in with this bright yellow airplane to get it looks the sex like, robot. It looks like it's got a funny little face on the front of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, of course, the, the final confrontation in which there's all sorts of shootouts going on. Uh, Les gets shot a lot of times with a very high caliber weapon. Like 17 times, and he's like... And falls through one of those skylights that I also fall through a lot on Tony Hawk. Uh, mm-hmm. And <laughs> still still is able to, you know, go out there and start chasing down this yellow. Uh, oh, a damn airplane. grappling hook onto a plane that's flying fast. <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah. And and here is where the the love story has has blossomed. Of course, the uh, the guy has now kind of fallen in love with the bounty hunter. He's smitten. Yeah, and he is in deep smit. He it's him, it's the bounty hunter, it's his robot friend. The airplane will not take off because it, so he's like, uh, great. He, yes. Go get me a Pepsi. No, we're not there yet. We will be. Oh, my God. We will be. So the bounty hunter decides to jump out of the airplane without him knowing because he's flying it. He turns around to be like, hey, we survived and realizes that she's down on the ground fighting off all these guys. And then he so he realizes as the robot very vapidly says, I love you. And the, oh, yeah, the, I thought this was actually really interesting because when she was revived, this robot. She had all of her memories, but she had no idea of what was going on. So there's like people shooting around her. She's like standing there looking around. She's like, you know, hi, I love you. Like she, that's all she says, really, and agrees with everything. 
So Bounty Hunter's gone. He lands the plane again, and he tell and what does he say to go the uh, robot? Pepsi. Go get me a Pepsi. The robot agrees, yep. steps out. The girl comes no, in. No, like, where the hell is the Pepsi? Where am I going to get a Pepsi in the desert? Just, okay, and walks away. It's like, what? And then he, you know, picks up the bounty hunter and leaves his robot wife there. Which with is, the lady with the sandwiches. Which is what was just, with the sandwiches, by the way? She I was do not like know. so gung ho about these sandwiches, and everybody, everything was like, "Oh, well, you should eat a sandwich before you go into battle." Oh, well, I'm going to bring sandwiches. I, I've got a sandwich here. You want a sandwich? It's like, why? What is with sandwiches? And then she I fed have, one uh, to the robot, or no? She sat there, and the robot watched her eat a sandwich, basically. Yeah. So I guess the bad guys got what they wanted. I think maybe they wanted the robot. Uh, well, but he was dead. So it was it was a it was a yeah, girl true. who was in charge because yeah, he because he, he got smashed into a sign. Well, no, they, not a sign, a showgirl, a showgirl yeah. on the the Hera's um, marquee or whatever. You know, yeah, it was that's a, I mean, like a, a sign big, marquee thing. Yeah. Yeah, Lester's dead. That's the the line of the thing. So his name, of course, is, was Les. Uh, that was interesting product placement for the Pepsi. I wonder if Pepsi actually got paid for that. Like, yeah, we, we're going to have your beverage be a key part of this movie. Oh, great. Yeah, it's going to be how a wife leaves his or a dude leaves his robot wife. It's like the story awesome. of like, yeah, the guy that goes to get some cigarettes and never comes back. Like, that's basically it. But with a Pepsi. Uh, weird, weird movie. Uh, apparently, a lot of people thought that it was made for ten million dollars. It made fourteen thousand. <laughs> That's about right. Yep. It was uh, originally filmed in nineteen eighty five, set to release in nineteen eighty six, and it eventually came out in eighty eight or whatever we said uh, because of Working Girl. Um, Melanie Griffith had just had a kid while filming this movie, so she, in between shots, she was in fact breastfeeding her first son, and. Uh, there's the there's, boobs. Well, those are like real off-camera ones, but yeah, yeah. And uh, it was uh, it was a movie. Um, it it definitely was a movie. It certainly, was. it definitely was not good. Yeah, and really, the only part of this movie that I was like, oh, sweet, was when they re- when they uh, had all the ATVs with the M60s on the front. I was like, yeah. they my, all came I, out of that trailer like a freaking clown car. <laughs> real excited because I was like, you know what? That looks like the ferret from G from the Cobra vehicle. And I was like, they need to make a Dreadnought movie. Uh, Zartan and the Dreadnoughts. And so all you 80s nerds will get what I'm talking about there. I was like, I, w- I would see that. But that was, that, that was about the extent of, of my excitement for this movie. <sighs> and, uh, so, uh, I guess that's. Do we have anything else to say about the lovely film that is Cherry Two Thousand? Nope. <laughs> no. No, I certainly um, do not. Revival, I've also got a revival remake or R.I.P. Giant party going on outside, so it's been very quiet. Um, I would say none of these things. R.I.P. Yep. Let it go. Yep. R.I.P. This Just, movie has been done in different ways, nope. way better. Now there is one ongoing thing from this movie ha- has kept, you know, that that collectors have enjoyed, 
and that is the soundtrack. Uh, it was really? the, yes. The original score was composed by a guy named Basil Polidorus. I don't know how to pronounce that. Of course, uh, it was supposed to be an, a soundtrack album that was released, but it was counts- canceled because the film got shelved. Um, so they the artist basically made that his first album and sold it by mail order for just for not just because this is a while ago for twenty dollars, and there was only. Um, 1500 copies made and because it is synth music um, and those collectors of that music really wanted it uh, on eBay, those things, the copy of that album was selling for about $2,500. Wow. Yeah. Um, So it's a very highly touted collector's album. Uh, Eventually they did um, recreate this. They a CD version of it Uh, package for the limited edition CD was a version of it. No, no, no. A limited edition CD. Uh, and uh, so this, this album is kind of ridiculous. It's got uh, like typo, typos on it and like the songs are in the wrong order and stuff like that. But I think they did re-release it. Um, of course, whoever paid the extra money for the original version probably was pissed that they released it. But um, so that's the one benefit of this whole thing. So that is... Our movie, or their movie, I'm not claiming this one, Cherry 2000, a weird future romp. Hey, they just um, posted a picture of it, dude. They didn't hold a gun to your head and say you had to watch this. I believe he said something like it was interesting, and I was like, you know what? Interesting is a lie. And I, it, is, it is not interesting. And I have faith in them, because I enjoy ACP Pro's music, and you should too. Check it out. But this movie was boring. Now... It was boring, and as I've said multiple times, it was set three years ago in the future. So that made me think about movies and movies that make predictions about the future. Uh, So our top five question of the week. We are going to talk about um, movies from the past that predicted futures that already happened. And things that were predicted horribly wrong. So, like, of course, the flying car is going to be around in 1999 kind of stuff. Uh, now, I do have one thing. This is the year 2020. We do have a pension for predicting stuff. So, guys, be careful. If you're like, you know, f- 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 dinosaurs that fart fire, yeah. it's possible that that will happen sometime in the next month. They said they be- wouldn't die yet, but there's still a couple of months left in exactly. the year, which I did take into consideration for my list. And I'll go ahead and start it off. Do it. Number five. Well, I've got to do an honorable mention here, and that's for a film that I will have already seen in the theater by the time this episode is released. That is Akira. Mm -hmm. The seminal anime film manga, if you will, uh, correctly predicted that the 2020 Olympics would be in Tokyo. However, the global pandemic had other plans. It will now be the 2021 Olympics. Yes, in Tokyo. My number five is going to be The Running Man. The short story penned mm-hmm. by Richard Bachman, a.k.a. Stephen King. A televised contest between professional killers and convicted felons. The film took place between 2017 and 2019. Haven't quite had that yet. My number four, Reign of Fire. 
In the year 2008, dragons were found under London. And by 2020, the Earth is overrun with them. Still, Solid choice. Again, Solid choice. A couple of months left. This is the one that's going to come true. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at this yeah, point. Yeah, I thought you were predicting my number three. I'm like, well, that would be Escape from New York. Mm-hmm. In 1997, Manhattan was a prison island because crime had ballooned to something over 800 uh, percent. That is not the case, fortunately. And fortunately, number two's prediction, number two's future didn't play out for us. And then it's Terminator 2. Skynet became sentient. AI did not take over the world. Correct. And that was uh, predicted in 1997. Social media did. It was social media that took over the world. And still waiting because it did not come to fruition in 2015, the year that would have you believe it would, in the film Back to the Future Part part 2. Go ahead. Back to the Farcher. Back to the Fart Part 2. Back to the Future Fart 2. Hoverboards. Not those things that we... Look, I... Or flying cars. We've talked about the... Oh, there are many things, but the the hoverboard is the one that really stuck with me. Uh, Still waiting on that. Thank you very much. How is the, the skateboarding going? You are not in a full body cast. I'm not a full body cast. I'm still getting my legs under me. Nice. But it's cool. It's fun. It's a good time. I haven't really done any tricks yet, except for in my living room. Nice. Sully barking? Actually? No. No. Okay. He's like, I don't know what that is. Well, we got a list from a listener and a patron of unusual size. Um, so this one, uh, interesting. There's not a lot of description except for on the last one. And it actually works like a, a, a punchline. Okay. So I'm going with this, uh, number five, strange days, which I've not seen in a while. I did ask him if it holds up. It was a a Cameron movie. It was supposed to kind of take place at the, the, uh, end of the millennium. If I remember correctly, good soundtrack. Uh, number four, the running man, of course, number three, escape from New York. Uh, number two, Blade Runner, no synthoid jet. Mm-hmm. And number one, we of course got back to the future too, but he said we are, he's still pissed. We don't have hoverboards or endless Jaws sequels, which is right on brand. <laughs> As he nice. was our, if you listen to our Jaws episode a few weeks ago, he was our, the, the impetus for doing said Jaws episode. Yes. So I actually laughed at the endless Jaws sequels. Um, what, what, what number was that one in Back to the Future 2? I said it earlier, I think. It's like 20 something. 27 or something? Yeah. I'd be a good trivia question. I could probably win a round of beers at a trivia club thing. With a trivia club. Yeah. I'm like going to club bar. you with my trivia and take your beers. I haven't <laughs> been in a bar even before the pandemic in so long that I don't even remember what they look like. Uh, I guess I'll go. Now, uh, number five. Did you know in 2004 that we were going to pioneer time travel? Just oh. like in time, Just like in Time Cop. Mm. A movie that is well known for it being wrong about when time travel is, as it is known for Jean-Claude Van Damme doing splits on countertops. So, Time Cop is my number five. Number four, I'm going to go with Blade Runner. Flying Cars Synthoids by 2019. Nope. Escape from New York. 
They shut down New York in 1988 to make it, or I guess things started happening in 1988, and it's his set in 1997. Yeah, the crime skyrocketed and stayed there. 400%. Yeah. Judgment Day, of course, in 1997, and probably like most other people, Back to the Future 2, 2000, everything was supposed to take place in 2015, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, hoverboards, flying cars, uh, holographic signs that actually come out and, you know, can grab you. That's not a thing yet, but that's my number one. Uh, but they got some things right, so. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Do you have any listener lists for today? Uh, we did. That was Alex. We already did one. We did. Do, uh, do you have any more? I didn't get any more. I'll look. All right. Well, then I'll go ahead and, and give you my list. Actually, Greg took a couple from my list. Um, at number five, just because it's so it's so out there, um, and I don't know that it was actually a prediction or whatnot, but I'm going to put Time Cop because they were saying that time travel would be rampant by 2004, I believe it was. So Time Cop at number five. Uh, at number four, I'm going to put I'm going to put Demolition Man. Demolition Man at number four with saying things like we've eliminated murder by 2010. That is definitely not the case. And there are several things in Demolition Man that have not come true. <laughs> So I'm going to go with Demolition Man at number four. At number three, I'm going to put Blade Runner. Blade Runner with uh, flying cars and various other things, synthoids and whatnot. So Blade Runner's at number three. At number two, a little departure from you guys. I've got Back to the Future 2. Back to the Future 2 at, at 2015 with hoverboards and flying cars and all of that that we've discussed already. But my number one complete misprediction is going to be 2001 a space odyssey yes pan am no longer exists and we (laughs) and we have not colonized the moon it's true or have we i'm working on it oh sheeple or maybe the moon doesn't exist and it's actually he's going to the moon tomorrow or it's actually after i see a cure in the theater and he's gonna call it. He's gonna plant his flag on the moon. Do it. Property of Jimmy. That's right. Blast hard cheese was no wait. Crystal McCard body was here. That is yes. me. Greg is blast hard cheese. I am. That's I am. right. Stolen directly from Mystery Science Theater. Anyway, guys, that was Cherry Two Thousand. That was our top five list. Thank you for listening and take us out. Whoever is supposed to take us out. I believe it's actually supposed to be me. It is in fact supposed to be you. So guys, if you would like to get in touch with us and if you don't know how already, you can find us at give me five podcast.com. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the give me five podcast. And if you didn't know by now, the five as always is spelled out F I V E. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Give Me Five Pod. Make sure you use the hashtag Pound Alive when mentioning us. You can email us directly at Give Me Five Podcast at gmail.com. We thank you so much in advance for leaving us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you are using. Really kind of helps us rise above the uh, rest of the crowd. Guys, we do have a store. If you'd like to purchase some awesome Give Me Five swag, it's not just generic stuff. 
we got a really cool logo. We've got some really cool shirts on there as well. New stuff always being added. And we appreciate your patronage. Was that a was that a teaser? No. That was a a segue. Oh, I like that. Well, he said patron. We, of course, have a Patreon, and you can become a patron for as low as $5 a month. It gets you into our Discord chat where you get to talk about crazy things with us goofballs. We were chatting about this movie. We were chatting about uh, – there's another movie we were talking about, Shestra. Uh The Devil All uh, the Time. Yes. There's one Just of them. Various, yep, there's that, and there was, some, there was something I was talking about fairly late at night last night. Um, but, you know, we had a rainy day. We were talking about – Possible were movies you at one to, of those you know, trivia clubs again? No, I was one of them there, trivia clubs. Were you yeah, clubbing people with your trivia? Yeah, sounds like it. I would, I would do that. Uh, anyway, we have some fun conversations on there. You guys can join up. We are a friendly bunch. Uh, $5 gets you, it helps the show, really. That's the biggest thing. Get you into our Discord chat. You get to figure out what movie we're going to review, so you can, of course, watch it before we review it. And uh, you get early access to the top five list, so you can... Donate your own answers to our top five list, just like Alec did mere minutes ago. Bunch of other things. Check out patreon.com slash give me five podcast to find out what all they, what all they are, what they all are, what all they are. Yes. And thanks for listening. Thank you so much. Good morning. Good afternight. Yep. Good afternight. Good morning and, <laughs> and good afternight. Pepsi. Get me a Pepsi. Yeah, he was rolling his eyes at me when I said boob runner. I'm pretty sure that I'm pissing him off. I'm going to say boob runner when he puts his earphones in again. Say boob runner.